Morgan, just you're raising your hands to uh, to to say something. Yes, do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, also, like, do you guys want to do outro? I see. Is that the outro time? Yeah. Good luck editing this podcast. Yeah. God. <laughs> what we can do is we need to have an agenda. Nah, there's always an agenda. The, my, I have a whole freaking document here already. <laughs> special guest, uh, Henry, is from Malaysia, like us. So he's currently based in Berlin. So uh, Henry, a lot of people know about you because of the work you've done for the COVID Now website. Have you heard about it before? No. Sorry, Henry. Oh, no. So this is how I came to know about Henry. I think uh, in the Malaysia lockdown period when like Google trying to start like tech events online and uh, one of the talks that he gave it was talking about how he built the Twitter bot where it kind of like crawls the you know everyday government during that time have this oh today have how many COVID cases or yep. how many uh, vaccine cases the government was scaring you every day right but uh, Henry is the one that focusing on the vaccination mm. rate and he kind of like crawl from the official government data and then kind of like posted very nicely in Twitter. Nice. It's kind of like the year in progress yep. on Twitter. Nice. So uh, Henry grabbed inspiration from that. And yeah, Henry, talk about yourself. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Let, let me properly introduce myself. Um, I'm Henry. I'm I'm the one that built the COVID now. If you know about COVID now, the team, there's like three limb. I'm one of the limb. Yeah. Um, what else I can talk about myself? Uh, I'm a Google developer expert in Webpack. I think within our circle, right, Adam, we hardly have any web developing friends, right? Uh, yeah, that, that I'm trying to think now. No, all the friends I know are mobile developers. <laughs> I don't know any backend people or front-end yeah. developers. And Henry is the one that uh, specializes in front-end web development. So he's really into web development. Nice. Yeah, and I'm also like one of the rare web developers that attended DragCon Berlin 2022. How, how did you end up there? Was it? Yeah, the I would say the reason is very, very simple. Because I got the free ticket. I see. So, why not? Of course. I do know a few people like going to speak and going to uh, DragCon. Like, I do know some people from Google and... Yeah. Especially like from Firebase. Someone from Google asked me like, Hey, you, I have a ticket I can give you if you want to go. I was like, uh, then I checked on the agenda. I was like, yeah, that sounds very interesting. Mm. Although I'm a, not a web developer, there are some topics that are like good to know. Although I don't know how useful is it. Yeah. But hey, it's always good to learn something, right? But also at the same time, it's a good chance to meet old friends. Like this is my first conference since the pandemic, mm. right? I think I do attend some conference in Bangkok. But I mean like the one in Bangkok is only Thai, the Thai people. So it's my first conference after the pandemic to meet people like from all around the world. I think uh, one interesting thing, Adam, I'm not sure what you remember, a while back when we are in Malaysia, mm-hmm. there will be like Coco Hit, iOS Meetup. In Malaysia? And then you will always try to drag me along. Yep, yep. I see. Do you remember that? No. Oh, yeah. <coughs> I remember there was one at Astro. Yeah, and you said that uh, it's always nice to cross-pollinate, right? <laughs> With different platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just because you're a web developer, mobile development, at the end of the day, we're all just doing front-end development. Of course, you could you could argue there are many differences, but if you look at it, if you take a step back, we're basically in the same um, sphere. 
it's always good to um, not be too specialized in one area, I think. I mean, like, for me, it's, you can't monopoly on one thing, right? I think monopoly is not the correct word. <laughs> Don't pull your eggs in one basket. I mean, like, there's usually there's some best practice for Android for web. It's usually it's different, but also at the same time, there are some similarities. Yeah that you can learn from it. Like one of the toys that talk about CI. So if it was talking about like the performance on Android, then you use the CI to monitor to see is is it any slowdown on your app. For uh, as a front-end web developer, this is the same thing that can apply on my web app. So both Android and web iOS, any developer use CI. So yeah, that's like one of the thoughts. Like it's very, very useful and it's something like I've used the knowledge I learned from Redcon. Basically use it in my daily job. Mm. So uh, a, a little introduction to Adam. So Adam is an iOS developer. So here we got the three big front-end developers from different platforms. <laughs> so me from Android, Adam from iOS, and Henry from the web. Yeah, since we have Android, we have iOS, we have web. So what's your opinion about Flutter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Straighted. Morgan, you have, you have burning opinions on this, I heard. This is your platform to speak now, Morgan. You know, uh, during TriCon Berlin, uh, there was a few open mic sessions where you get get to go to the microphone and ask the Google engineers questions. Yeah. I have a really strong urge to ask about like, are you friends with the Flutter team? Well, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But actually, before we move on, what makes you want to ask that question? Because uh, there's... What is the feeling that you have that makes you want to ask that question? From how I see it is that Flutter has been out for three years, mm. I think. It feels like Google in the mobile strategy department, it feels like they are building two platforms that is trying to achieve the same thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, Flutter essentially is going like multi-platform approach. But like, yeah, has a question like, oh, if I want to build a new app today, should I build a native Android app or should I go with Flutter? And Google seems to be like, well, you can always do both and see what works for you kind of situation. And then you can see that the theme that they keep talking about where they're trying to bring their new UI toolkit, the Compose UI, and you can see that it's very strongly influenced from Flutter. Mm. Hence the idea was that, like, would Flutter be merged into Android and be part of the Android group? Mm. And it has a lot of uncertainty, I would say. Mm. Like, is Flutter getting enough love from Google. That's I think that's fundamentally the question from my side. Mm. So back to the question yeah. of uh, why didn't I ask about a question like this because Dragon Berlin, I think there was like 3,600 attendees. So it's a big crowd. It's a big crowd. Perfect spot to ask, right? The pressure of uh, 2,000 people uh, wanting to know whether Flutter is going to get any love or not. Like uh, Henry and me uh, on the first day, the keynote, right? Uh, when we were sitting down in front of the row and uh, waiting for the keynote to start. Mm. And we, we, when we took a look back mm. and we realized that not everyone have a seat. So a lot of them had a seat on the floor. Mm. So it's like uh, a lot, a lot of people trying to get into one hall. But how did that happen? Did they oversell the tickets? So like, but they, this is odd or like people weren't taking seats that were available and... But correct me, I'm wrong, right, Henry? I think DroidCon Berlin is one of the bigger DroidCons in the world, right? In terms of like attendees and attention. I'm not sure which one is the biggest, but I know the two biggest one. I think it's the DroidCon Berlin and DroidCon San Francisco. Yeah, I mean like that's basically where the Android team base in. Yeah, yeah. One thing uh, I noticed when attending uh, DroidCon Berlin was particularly was that because Adam, like we always say that Europe is very connected. Mm. So like Netherlands, Germany, France, 
UK is like a train ride away, like two hours, and it's a complete different country and different culture. And then I think like having conferences in Europe, you get a bunch of people from different backgrounds coming here. Where compared with conferences in US, where most of the attendees are people from US, or conferences in Asia, then then it's a very very localized event where Europe in a lot of different countries that is nearby and it's easier to travel. And of all the conferences I've attended, I think DragCon is one of the most colorful ones so far. Yeah, I would say yeah. the conference is very, very diverse. <laughs> like there are people coming from US, there are people coming from Africa, there are people coming from Asia. We are also part of the attendee from Asia. Um, maybe like for compared to US, maybe US is harder to go there. But of course, compared to uh, US and Europe, Europe is way easier to travel to. I feel like we still haven't answered Henry's question, actually, about what we think about Plateau. The thing that you touched on, Morgan, was sort of my original concerns about Plateau. I have thoughts about anything that is backed by Google, because I think eventually Google is going to kill it without notice. Yeah, that was how uh, my concerns about Plateau started. And then we, at work, there was a phase where we were actually quite focused on Flutter. Uh, we were learning Flutter. We were trying to really see whether this was something that was suitable for us. And I think that's when my opinion of it sort of changed a bit. And we haven't used, we, we didn't decide to go with it because our business priorities changed and we haven't done any Flutter since for about six months now, maybe. My general impression now of Flutter is that yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool to have a single, um, amongst all like multi-platform frameworks that I've come into contact with, Flutter is the one that is closest to, it's the nicest one so far. When you compare it now, when you look back at uh, React Native or Xamarin, you just, just want to vomit compared to Flutter. It's the one to go for, I think, right now, if you're looking for something cross-platform, yeah. But I also understand your concern, Morgan, about how it feels like there are two babies in one family. But I think, just like what Henry was saying uh, earlier as well, Google as a company also probably doesn't want to concentrate on just one platform. They also want to um, offer different options for different people. I don't necessarily think they compete. I don't, yeah. Do they, do they directly compete with one another? I guess they do. So it's the yeah. same idea of uh, don't put all the eggs in the same basket. Yeah, the same analogy that come back from the very beginning. It's also for Google to see because I'm sure they don't really know how sure they're excited or flat about this idea. But you don't want to you want to let it grow in the system as well. And especially at some point, the, I think the people, the developers or the users, people like us will eventually decide amongst ourselves which one is the one that is um, to go for. And then from there, Google will look at that possibly think about um, how to move forward from there. But I think, yeah, I think that is interesting. I think uh, if I was starting a new project from scratch, I would probably do that. I'd probably use, choose that as my um, platform to start with. But I, 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 don't, uh, I don't really do apps on the side. So I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not the one who should be uh, talking. Yeah, I think it's cool. What do you think, Henry? Yeah, I do have some opinion about Flutter. For me, it's kind of mixed feeling. Mm. I mean, like, yeah, there's one thing but you completely forgot about is the Chrome. Mm. Google like a studio Google is trying to do everything so they have the Chrome the web mm. they have Android then now they have Flutter for me like I don't see like Android and Flutter is like competition for me it's like uh, Flutter assist is because of React Native and basically what they want to become the Google's React Native React Native is owned by Facebook yeah yeah. but I mean like Google want to have the same thing because when you build Android app it's only going to run on Android you can't run it on iOS. But of course, Flutter, you can run it, you can build it for Android, iOS, and the web. I think it's coming to like macOS, more and more platform. But yeah. at the end, it's, that it's not like a developer tries to make the decision. It's more like the business people. 
do they want to make the risk like the typical Google it started to build a very nice uh, Flutter app that the three years later Google discontinued it then all the business like okay now what should we do then we just go back to day zero all the business need to start to build Android iOS web app again instead of just using Flutter it sounds like you're trying to say like actually web is the ultimate multi-platformer is that what you're trying to say as a web developer yes I say because web it runs everywhere but as a web developer I do get jealous about Android and iOS developer because of the support and the first party library you get for example basically during the whole three days in DryCon I'm very jealous about uh, Compose and the Material 3 so for web for example if you want to implement a bottom sheet basically you just need to find a third party library which is supported by yep. a, a stranger which maybe he or she going to stop maintaining the library maybe next few weeks you don't know but if you use like if you if you are Android or iOS developer there's a lot of first party library like in this case the Material 3 like you know when you use it, it's going to be well maintained. You have to uh, <laughs> the that's a misconception. Yeah, I, mean like, I have to stop you there. I, I think looking from the outside, you can have the impression that we, everything is nice and rosy in the mobile world. You use first party libraries, first party APIs, everything's perfectly maintained. The reality that it, this is not really, and if anything, it's worse because we cannot see. At least I cannot see the implementation of a certain component. So. If it's main, if it's open source maintained by a stranger or whatever, if I can see how it's actually implemented, then it's actually better. Yeah, it's not necessarily always the case that everything on mobile is um, nice and uh, rosy and amazing. I will say it's yeah. a very different approach, Henry. No, like uh, mobile is more centralized, where web is based on more open standards. Like people contribute brick by brick, where mobile is very like Google has its own stuff but it doesn't share with other platforms and iOS has its own stuff and doesn't share with other platforms. Yeah, I would say this is like the good and the bad thing about closed and open platform. Like Android and iOS technically is a closed platform. Web is a very, very open platform. But at the yep. same time, for users, I think if they use closed platform, it's kind of nice because everything should work. But I mean, like as a web developer, it's kind of frustrating. Like Android is kind of same. For now, like web, we need to like when I build a web app, I need to make sure it works on Safari, works on Chrome, mm. Firefox, Microsoft Edge. But I think for Android developers, it's the same thing. Like you need to make sure the app works on device support, Google Play services, and Huawei service thing, and as well as the Amazon thing. Yeah. So I think the only platform that doesn't have this issue is iOS because iOS only can run on. Apple device? Well, it, it, it depends. But if you're... Because nowadays you can also build universal apps. So Apple has also moved away sort of from just calling it iOS, like iPhone applications. Or, so it used to be iPhone applications and you had iPhone applications and iPad applications. And now you have this universal thing where you can just build the ones for iOS, iPad, and macOS. So if you choose that as your deployment uh, platforms, then you do have sort of three platforms to, to, to think about. And even even on each platform, you have also different device sizes. Like on our app right now, we still support the first iPhone SE, which is tiny compared to like a 13 Pro Max now. So it is you still have those kind of issues. I, I do think it's not as annoying as the impression I get as on web. A good example on, on web, in our app, we have one page, which is shown in the app that is actually a web page. And on iOS 14 and above, it cannot bold the text. Instead of becoming bold, it becomes italic. And uh, everywhere else is fine. And um, the guy who was creating the page, he, uh, 
he gave up. He couldn't figure out why on uh, iOS 14 and above it didn't uh, become bold. So yeah. Now, who says uh, iOS doesn't have fragmentation? Now iOS has fragmentation. iOS is less. Fra- if you talk about fragmentation, though, it's definitely lesser because I I haven't looked at our customer base, but I operate on the assumption that 95% of customers are running the latest version of the OS. If I had things my way, I would only support the last the last two major OS versions. Everything older than that, I will not bother. Curious, right? Since now we have a web developer on this session, like, does web suffer any fragmentation issues? Like, for example, like uh, a lot of people are still using older version of Chrome. Like, would that break functionality, or would that like make some feature break? Like, do you have any pain points ma- maintaining that? Yeah, I would say basically the biggest pain point is Safari. Surprise, surprise! It is not. Internet Explorer because there are basically no one using Internet Explorer. Yeah, I, I would say that those people using Internet Explorer are using uh, Microsoft Edge right now. Luckily, thankfully. But there are a lot of people still using, not still using, they are forced to use the Safari, which including me. Because I do use iPhone and the only browser engine that can run on iPhone or iOS device is basically Safari. The engine is called WebKit. But if you install a Google Chrome on, on your iPhone or your iPad, it's basically it's a Safari with a Google Chrome skin. So that's the issue for Safari is they're kind of lag behind if you compare to Chromium engine and also Firefox. Okay, usually we will say like on oh, this cutting edge feature I want to use that it works on Chrome but it doesn't work on Safari. But that's the one issue that I have this morning. So there's a function called scroll into view. So it's very obvious, basically this function it will automatically scroll into the view. For if you on Chrome, there's also a extra option you can use you can set the behavior to smooth mm. so you scroll to the view smoothly but guess what it doesn't work on iOS 15 question right Henry so you're talking about Chrome even on Android Chrome it supports this scroll to position right basically all browser except if you're using iPhone then you are but the question was that how say it's not specifically on mobile or web right it's the engine, right? So for example, you said that this API, Chromium, where it supports scroll to position, it reflects both on the Android mobile Chrome and the web uh, version of Chrome, right? Um, so which means that you, if you develop this feature, you can expect it to work both on mobile and the web, right? Just just us. Yes, usually, yes. Usually, like, if it's not working, it's usually a bug, which is usually it's like the first version when they release, they usually there's a bug that it's not working as expected. But once you wait for one or two weeks, then yes, it will be working perfectly on any platform except iOS mm. because it's not the same browser. Yeah, and I imagine for you, that's actually quite a bit of a headache, yeah? Because I imagine iOS users using Safari would make up quite a big portion of your user base. Yes, that's why I say it's kind of stupid because I'm also one of the users mm. that contribute to the market share. Well, what can you do about it, right? Yeah. There's nothing you can do except for using a different exactly, phone entirely, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I love iPhone, but I hate Safari. Yeah. The reason is not a like technical reason. It's not like the Chromium engine cannot run on iOS. It's just because of the Apple policy. Yeah. Because the App Store policies say you cannot run third-party browser engine on it. Mm. If Apple changed the policy, just one line, just the paperwork stuff, yeah, then... We would have smooth scrolling, right? Yeah, I will have smooth scrolling, but that's actually, I don't sure it's a good or bad thing. As an iOS user, now I have the option to choose between Safari or Google Chrome. So of course, I will choose the best one. And at the same time, since 
Chrome is currently the best one, then it will kind of force Apple to like move forward to implement all the feature on Chrome on Safari. So at the end, both will be equally good. But at the same time, once they're basically, you need to test more browser on more platform because now in today, if you want to test on iOS, basically it's just one browser. Yep. So it kind of makes our life easier because we don't need to test more browser. But the problem is, yeah, the feature and the bug. Yeah. And it's also like part of how iOS do the firmware upgrade. So on Android, if you want to update the Google Chrome, you just go to Play Store. Mm. On iOS, if you want to update the Safari, you need to update the whole firmware, which is usually like 1 GB. It's not like you go to App Store and download a 10 MB patch. Yeah. No, so, I think firmware is not the right term. I think it's the OS that's the right yeah, term. Yeah, OS, right? correct. That's the challenge for us. Is like there's a bug on Safari, then Safari fix it, then they push a new like iOS 15.6. But the problem is how many percent of the user is going to update to 15.6? Usually like from 14 to 15, there are a lot of big features. So that kind of encourage the user to upgrade from iOS 14 to 15. But once you're on no. iOS 15, 15 to 15.1 is a small changes. As a web developer, there are some very important bug fixes. But for the user, they, they don't understand, so they, they just ignore it. Because the browser is really coupled to the OS, right? Correct. The browser is yes, part of the OS. Why. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You can't mm. download Safari on the App Store. Exactly. Download is not an issue. The problem is the how you update it. It do happen like last time. There's a big security issue. Everyone need to update the whole OS just to fix a very small Safari bug. But it's a very critical bug. I can see the trend where Apple is trying to decouple a lot of their apps. Like recently, you can see more and more Apple apps that is on App Store now rather than on the system level, right? Well, I think maybe that's just too much thing coupled together with the Safari and the OS level. Yeah, Safari was one of the very first apps that the iPhone came with. So I can imagine there's a lot of tight coupling between the two. Yeah. If I remember the video correctly, like when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, they believe like web is the future. At the time, there's no app store. Yeah. So everything is on the web. Everything is in the Safari. To be honest, for Apple, it's kind of makes sense for them to actually have a, a lockdown ecosystem because app store is where yeah. they earn the money. Safari, they don't earn anything. Yeah, there's one place they earn money is uh, if you open Safari, like the default search engine is Google. Yep. Google do need to pay millions of dollars to Apple just for this. But I'm curious, right? Can you monetize web plugins or is just like very uncommon? Like for example, if you build a very, very nice web plugin for Safari like, or uh, for Firefox like or for Chrome, can browser, you monetize browser it? Extension? Yeah. Yeah, or, like a browser extension. Are, are you able to monetize it? Technically, yes. But I would say it's not very common because it depends on how can you do it. Okay, let's say you build an app blocker. How can you put an advertisement on it? You put it on a setting page, but how many times do you really open the option page? So you're saying that it's more hidden rather than prominent for user to, to nudge user to upgrade or to subscribe, right? That's what you yes. meant, right? You usually like uh, yes, the only way to like to get the money is like usually it's like IAP, like in app purchase. Um right. I think Chrome Web Store do have this function, but I would say most of the Chrome extension is like nice to have. So if you Yeah. If like you need to pay for it, I think the user just not going to pay for it. They not just they're just going to not install it. Did you say most Chrome extensions are nice to have? Is that what you said? Yeah, for me like I actually I use two Chrome extensions. One is the the app blocker. Yeah. So imagine if app blogger has advertisement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It completely goes Hydrogen against. Doesn't make sense, yeah, right? doesn't make sense. I wouldn't use an app blocker that has yeah. ads in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And another Chrome extension I use is the Bitwarden. Ah, your password manager. You can't really pay anything in the Chrome extension, but you, you do have the option to pay in the desktop or yeah, the yeah. phone. Yeah, I used to pay for Bitwarden Premium. Yeah, but you don't do it in the Chrome extension. Yeah, understood. Yeah, I feel like the extension is like a companion app rather than a product, right? I can tell you one thing. Uh, after I moved to One Password, I must say my uh, password experience is much nicer because on Safari, like on iOS, I actually have a One Password extension. Uh, it's actually quite nice compared to uh, Bitwarden. Are you still on Bitwarden, Morgan? I'm the I'm the one password, and then you and Jason call me a sh. <laughs> no, you. Are. Yeah, for me, like I I use Bitwarden, but I don't pay anything. Mm. I mean, like the reason why I use Bitwarden is because it's free. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Previously, I was using I think LastPass. Yeah. I think it's LastPass, right? The one that changed the pricing model. Well, um, uh, then the F the whole. All of them changed the pricing model at some point, no? But LastPass was bought by LogMeIn. That's the reason why I stopped using LastPass. I went to Bitwarden. Bitwarden was okay for a few years. And then, uh, yeah, now I'm on one password. Oh, I had a, it was covered in one of our previous episodes, but I went actually from LastPass to Bitwarden to iCloud Keychain. And I couldn't decide between Bitwarden and iCloud Keychain. So I was using both at the same time. And then uh, eventually I decided to just consolidate everything into one platform. The painful part is iCloud Keychain into one password. The painful part from for Bitwarden into OnePass is no, not too I, bad, right? I can't remember exactly, but I could import. But the painful part was the fact that now some websites were duplicated and they imported the files in slightly different formats. So then I had to go through all my four hundred and fifty passwords, I think. And then I also decided that I wanted to actually uh, remove all the passwords that I didn't like, all the accounts that I didn't care about. And now I reduce it down all the way to one hundred and seventy. So I'm quite uh, happy with that. Yeah, actually, I was using Google Password Manager. Uh, PLDR, the whole thing is shit. Google has a password manager. I see, I didn't, did not even know that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is it Google Password Manager or Chrome? Remember my password and please apply it next time I put it situation. Yes, that is the thing they call the Google Password. You can go to password.google.com. I see. That's why it's, it's very good. Like when you do the login, like the Chrome integration is excellent. Yeah. The part is excellent. The first challenge is the Android integration. Mm. Because that the thing is so chromey, I think they added this feature like a few weeks ago. Uh, on Android, if you want to view your password, like you need to go to setting, you need to go to Chrome, then go to setting, then find it and somewhere. If you compare to Bitwarden, it's just an app. You can find it from the app launcher. It's not from the setting. That's the that's the bigger challenge because I was trying to convince my parents to use password manager. Yeah, it it, it works. So thankfully, uh, but I would say the harder challenge is that I want them to use Google Password Manager because that's the easiest one and they don't need to set up anything because it works. But the problem is there's one task that I try to ask them is I want them to view their password. It's basically mission impossible because they need to go to the setting and the setting uh. for me, I don't even know where is it. Mm. So it thinks you need to go to setting, you have to scroll up to Google, then find a password, then sign in with your password. Then you, you're able to see all the password there. But there's so many steps and it's kind of hidden. I think Google added a shortcut like which finally you can add it to your home screen. But it was so late right. that I really I convinced my parents to use Bitwarden. <laughs> Bitwarden uh, for your parents? I mean, like, oh my god, I can only... The interface of Bitwarden is very 
in my opinion, quite um, not so user-friendly. Parents had trouble viewing passwords on Google. I can imagine Bitwarden also being a bit not nice, maybe. Yeah, I did try a few, like, but then, like, I mean, like, because I'm also using Bitwarden. Yeah, you're familiar so, with it, so it makes I sense. I mean, like, yeah. they, also, they only use a few very basic features. Yeah. Of course, I'm using more features. Like, I'm using the biometric. I use the Touch ID on my Mac. Yeah, for them, they just want to view your password because before that, their password was just terrible. Mm. It was so bad that I was like, even I don't know the password, I can guess it. Like, are you the one that parents will always call you in the middle of the night so that, hey, Henry, Henry, what's my Almost. Google password again? Yeah, uh? so like, I uh, see, I see. like last, oh. sometimes I do ask my mom, like, can you open the Google photo site? Then my mom asked me, like, hey, what's my Google password? I was like, I think I know what's your password. Yeah, so it's like, I know my mom's password, but my mom doesn't know her own password. Would a family plan help to... I don't know whether Bitwarden has this family plans or not. And I don't know whether one password or the last pass might have a feature. But if you if you set up as a family, then you can share your passwords in one vault. Then maybe you can have access to look at their passwords if necessary. Yeah, but now they're using they're using the app so they can just view it from the app mm. themselves yep. without asking me. I mean like the best thing what I want is I, see, I want I, I want them to do the stuff them, yeah. themselves. So they don't need to wait uh. for me. Because I mean like one of the biggest issues now is the time zone. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation we have with Henry. We actually have a part two to that where we will be continuing the next episode with Henry that we talk about his new life in Germany and we have a list of exciting things that we talked about. And I hope to see you there. Bye.